0: All right, we are back for another episode of the AltMed podcast. It gives me great pleasure to be welcoming to this episode, our dear friend uh, and one of our favorite cannabis consultants, Mr. Nick Morley, welcome Nick.
1: Hey guys, nice to be here, thanks for inviting me on.
2: It's always a pleasure to speak to you. Um, It's always great to see your face and that big smile and that big burly beard and a little bit less hair on the top this time.
1: Yeah, a lot. Yeah, there's been a lot of trimming going on.
2: <laughs> With the beard, or yeah, <laughs> um, no, we
1: haven't quite hit trimming season, but yeah, the tri- the beard
2: trimmed. Yeah, good, good. And where where are you right now? You're up in the northern hinterland, somewhere up there, or I
1: mean, let's let's be honest here. I'm in Byron Bay.
2: Okay. Nice. Yeah.
1: Very nice. Yeah. You were, yeah.
2: You, but you originally started in Melbourne, didn't you?
1: I did. I grew up in, I grew up in a place called Mount Eliza next to, next to Frankston. Yeah. yeah. I lived down there um, until I was uh, about 15 and then I moved up into the city and spent um, most of my teens and early adulthood in Melbourne, left Melbourne when I was about 21 and moved to Europe and then moved to Sydney and then went off all over the world.
0: Yeah. I haven't lived in Melbourne since I was 21. I was going to ask, do you miss the place at all or are you kind of done
1: with Melbourne? Um, no, look, I would love to go back, but I'm too scared to. I mean, you know, it's Victoria. <laughs> um, you know, my uh, my girlfriend went down there. She hadn't been there for a year. She went down there last week and um, the day she arrived, she got put into a lockdown. So yeah. it scares me to be honest. When you get rid of um, Dangerous Dan, what are we calling him? Um <laughs>
0: Yeah, some of in the media call him Dictator
1: Dan, but um, Dictator Dan, yeah. So, um, get rid of him, and I'll come down and visit.
0: <laughs> we'll see you then. Uh, but okay. uh, <laughs> more
2: importantly, uh, in recent times, um, people know you, especially publicly, for the green lights, possibly a movie um, a business. Uh, can you tell us a little bit more about your background and uh, expertise?
1: Um. um I'll start on the on the background because I don't have that many expertise. But um, the background is, I was actually um, worked in the fashion industry um, for nearly thirty years as a um, a hairstylist and a makeup artist, um, and I travelled and lived overseas for a long time. I also had a clothing label for about seven years, um, and worked. Yeah, basically, I had a, a, a fashion background. Um, and I moved to Byron Bay in. Ooh, what are we at now? I moved to Byron Bay seven years ago, eight years ago, seven or eight years ago, and um, and that's when my um, my career started with medicinal cannabis.
2: Yeah, excellent, yep. excellent. And in terms, of when you say career, um, what, what do you mean by that?
1: Okay, so. Um, I was very fortunate enough to meet a a gentleman by the name of um, CBD Luke, um, who you guys know quite well. Um, Anyway, Luke and I I got together um, and at that time when we we first met um, was when another friend of ours whose name shall not be mentioned was starting to bring in... um, uh, the first lots of, of CBD oil into Australia, or well, the first lots that we knew of, or anyone else that we knew that knew of, and um, we, um, um, I started to work with those guys. I mean, basically, I started taking that CBD oil, and I got some pretty amazing results with it. And um, we all got together and said, "Look, we've got a." come up with a plan on how to get this out there. And that's what we did. And back then there was a loophole um, where you could you could technically, you could uh, sell it online if it was for topical use only. Mm. And that loophole ended uh, quite a while back. Anyway, so we set up a website, which was cbdoilaustralia.org. And um, that website did really well for about a year until TGA sent us some letters and shut us down. Mm. Um and and we did we closed it down.
0: Yeah. Amazing. I'm interested. Yeah, I retired after that. Retired, <laughs> yeah. The career <laughs> we actually dragged you out of retirement for this uh, for this podcast. But um no, well, in that period leading up to suppose, legalization, and it's of course my area of interest that happened in 2016, but I know that so much of the efforts that went into getting um you know, cannabis legalized for medical purposes, you know, went on decades before that as someone that was, you know, perhaps really there at that time, what, what, what were your observations about, you know, getting it from, you know, where it was back then to, to where it is now? Oh, look, to be perfectly honest with you, I don't think a whole lot's
1: changed. I mean, yeah, sure, there's a whole lot of things that are now available that are all on the schedule that you can get via prescription. But um, I don't think that it um, it really um, – I don't think it adds up, you know. Like the, for the amount of people that are after the product and the amount of people that are available – that and the amount of people that are actually getting the product and the quality of the products that are available, it doesn't really match up on mm. um, – and that's why um and that's why the black market still exists, which is a shame and you know I kind of wish it didn't actually um, but yeah, it's just sort of the way things have gone
0: yeah I mean there's still uh, the majority of CBD consumption in Australia um, and this is you know data that's come out of Sydney uni is still coming from the black market and when I say majority I mean more than ninety ninety five percent so it's um, it clearly is still the major part um, of of the market in Australia, and yeah, it's um, I, I, maybe we can flesh that out a little bit more. What do you think? Um, yeah, where do you think, do you think all that CBD is coming from?
1: Like, where, how how's how is it happening? I suppose is, is the question. Well,
0: there's certainly ample evidence on the CBD, you know, communities and threads on the internet that would would suggest that a lot of it does come in from America and it comes in under, you know, names like hemp oil. Um, you know, lots of this will just avoid detection. And, and I know that, um, you know, there would be people manufacturing or companies manufacturing it legitimately here in Australia that, uh, perhaps up in arms, but, but clearly, you know, if it's a pricing, um, issue accessing legally, um, there is clearly at this point in time, still a really, really large demand for, for black market. Perhaps, I, I don't know if you have any thoughts on what are some of the, the drivers of that. Is it price? Is it the, the product mix that you can get on the black market that you might not otherwise be able to get legally with a prescription?
1: Okay, so <clears throat> interesting, in, interestingly enough, I had a meeting yesterday with, um, with a couple that were, um, that were new patients, or we've been treating them for about four months And they did a road trip from Melbourne and they came up here and they sort of did the whole travel around the Northern Rivers and they went to Nimbin, they went to Mullum, they went to Byron and they sort of checked out and saw what products were available. And out of their bag they pulled out all these bottles of all these different products and not one of them was from overseas. They were all locally produced products. And I got to sort of smell them and sample them and see what they had and it seems that there is a lot of farms now that are actually producing CBD oil. Okay. Um, they're doing it under... Yeah, they're doing... I mean, I, I think there's a lot of people that have got hemp licences that are actually... have got their own extraction methods and <coughs> they seem to be skirting around the authorities. And, and I don't want to name names, but, you know, like there's, there's certain farms that are out, you know, in the northern rivers... That are um, producing actually a really, really quality product. I don't know what their uh, I do know what their extraction is. It's butane extraction. I don't know of any any CO2 extraction up here, but there's def, there's definitely people that are growing like good organic CBD buds and extracting it and making a really like it seemed to me like a really good quality CBD or... Wow. Um, how much of it has been tested in laboratories? I don't know. Um, I personally don't work with anything that hasn't been tested. Um, So it would be interesting, you know, and yeah, like you go to the hemp embassy, um, you know, they carry quite a lot of different brands in there or different types. I don't even know if you can call most of them brands. And um, it'd be interesting to know who they all are, you know, but there's definitely no proof of any sort of lab testing on any of the bottles. But I must say that quite a lot of the product tasted and smelt pretty good.
0: Interesting. And yeah. Do, and it's coming domestically too. That I mean, I had always just presumed that a large amount of the black market was being serviced by um, imports. But, um, you yeah. know.
1: There's a lot of growers, a lot of growers that, are, that, are, that have have gotten onto it, you know. There's a lot of growers that are like, oh, you know, that... They, I think, I don't know whether they feel like they won't get in as much trouble if they're caught with a hemp crop or, um, yeah, like I know black market growers that are actually growing hemp and extracting CBD to sell as opposed to like growing weed and selling pounds.
2: Interesting. Yeah. Well, I think, um, yeah, I, I, I think if you assume that people are importing under the guise of hemp, then you must assume people are growing under the guise of hemp. For and sure. I, I I knew that to be true. At least in New South Wales, there's, there's, I've heard that there's quite a few. They're not hiding.
1: Yeah, they're yeah, like yeah. they're not, they're in plain sight. Yeah. Not, at, do we name names on this podcast or?
2: Yeah, we're
1: not not
2: But um, it's more just more more about um, just kind of g- general things that you might have seen, or obviously you've been around it for a long time, especially in the Australian scene. Um, so, and we're wanting to kind of let people know the experience of others, because at the moment we're still waiting on a lot of clinical data to come through. And until then we need to base, well most people are basing their information off anecdotes and the, and what other people are reporting. And I can't think of anyone who's had more experience with that in the Australian landscape. So in terms of that, you've been around it for a long time. What kind of things do patients or people tell you that, that, um, you know, these things have done for them? Um, Good question.
1: Um, Lately, we're seeing a huge influx of of people um, needing help with mental health, so depression and anxiety, and CBD seems to be really, really good for that. Um, Sleep and sleep issues, THC and CBD... Awesome for that. Um, uh, A lot of, we see a lot of issues related around either cancer or treatments and side effects caused by cancer treatments. And uh, CBD and THC seem to be really good for that. Um, Dementia and Alzheimer's, CBD seems to be really good for that. Um, Topicals. For arthritis and pain relief, um, back pains, um, nerve pain, people with shingles, CBD and THC topically seems to be good for that. Um, I mean, look, it's just the list goes on. It's it's actually quite phenomenal. Just with, I
0: mean the. Mythically or otherwise, there's always been an association with that yeah, Northern Rivers region of, of New South Wales um, having an affinity with, um, with cannabis. I mean, do you tend to find that, that people up in, up in those parts generally have a, a really good kind of knowledge base about, you know, CBD and other cannabinoids in the, in the plant? Or is it still, do you feel like education is just an ongoing you know, part of, of medical cannabis?
1: Yeah, I think they do. Um, Absolutely. I mean, look, I actually keep to myself these days. I don't spend a whole lot of time going out to Nimbin and going to seminars and all that stuff. I'm, you know, I'm pretty busy running uh, my practice, um, and you know, I've got a team that works with me, um, and we kind of keep to ourselves now. Mm. But yeah, look, there is definitely. I know a bunch of um, you know black market growers that have a lot of knowledge around the plant and, um, around cannabinoids. And, you know, like I said, you know, there's, it's, it's interesting because these guys are all growing like, you know, really strong THC strains are now really interested in growing CBD strains. And there is a market for that it's also a market for CBD buds as well. Like people are actually smoking CBD buds.
0: Mm. That's which, a wow. uh,
1: Yeah. It's, uh, that's, that's like a whole new frontier, I think.
2: Mm. And do you, do you, in your experience, without going into any specifics, um, but the difference in quality between the black market and the white market from what you might have heard or might have seen other people?
1: Look, for sure there's for sure there's sharks out there that are selling crap. Like some of the stuff that I've opened and smelled, I've just gone, that's fucking olive oil or that's just hemp seed oil. It's got absolutely nothing in it. Okay. Um But like I said, you know, I was really like surprised with this couple that came around yesterday. This guy's got pancreatic cancer. He's actually a uh, quite a famous AFL footballer, and his wife. And um, it actually it'd probably be good to get them on your podcast one day. I'll I'll hook you guys up with them. But um, you know, he's doing really well with his pancreatic cancer, and these guys are on a bit of a journey to learn about medicinal cannabis, and some of the products that they picked up. we're actually really, really good. Mm. Like, there's one particular product that I'll talk to you about afterwards when we're not recording. That was, <laughs> you know, it's, uh, it smells like it smells like Scott stuff. Like, mm. it is really good. So, A grade,
2: organic, yeah. biodynamic, and grown locally. In in, in the interest of all right, well, in the interest of creating what we would call a balanced appraisal of cannabis. Yeah. Um, in your experience, which, you know, there's much, um, have you seen any adverse or, like, situations where people think it's going to help them or they th- believe it might cure them and it just doesn't eventuate that way and, um, you know, it doesn't have the outcome that is desired? Um,
1: yeah. So I have, yeah, I've definitely heard of that. We, we get a lot of people coming to us at Greenlight that have had... Um, not good experience with other black market products and mm. they've been totally let down. Um, and then they've, we've helped them and the products that we've been able to uh, introduce them to have been, have been really good for them. But I think it's your question, does medicinal cannabis work for everyone? Yeah, that, it's more that kind of question. Um, no, it doesn't work for everyone.
2: Because
1: mm. yeah. I think... In fact, it's a tricky one because I think... Um, I think if it's not dosed, if look, if if the blend's not right and the dose is not right, people can have some pretty bad experiences with it. Mm, yeah. um, and they can also, I think, people like these days. Everybody spends a lot of time googling stuff and spending doing all this research, and they've convinced themselves that this product is going to save their life or cure them of any affliction that they're looking into. And um, it's some, It's not as easy as that, you know, like it's not like take some CBD oil and your problems are solved. I mean, change your diet, change the way you sleep, don't spend as much time on your phone and your computer, like you know what I mean? Mm. Um, I think it. there's a lot of expectations around it, yeah. maybe too many, because it's been, you know, sold as this, you know, the saving grace of the planet, but it's, it, it's not that, but it's definitely a powerful and... Um, you know, very important medicine that needs to be researched more. There needs to be more research.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think I remember um, a scene from the film that you put out the other year, The Green Light, yeah. um, where you were saying that people come and, you know, you have some experiences with people who do see benefits from from cannabis and really get a lot out of it. And then you have those cases where people are expecting to have. Some kind of miracle cure, and it doesn't eventuate, and you, you know, sometimes it ends in a really sad outcome for um, some of those scenarios. So,
1: yeah, well, you get, you know, there's um, we look to be honest with you, I haven't actually manned the phones for a couple of years, so I haven't been doing consults. I've just started doing them again, but when I was doing them, I was dealing with a lot of cancer patients, and I would say, like seven out of 10 of those cancer patients are people that have been told that there is absolutely no hope for them. And you're sort of the end of the line, the last thing that can help them and save them. And it's a pretty nasty position to be in, you know, as a consultant and, you know, like there's a lot of pressure on us and the product to try and save them. And it doesn't, I mean, what it does do though, is it gives them some dignity, probably brings their appetite back takes away the takes away a lot of the pain without giving them opiates it can definitely provide them with comfort but you know it's it's not it's not a sure thing for saving people from cancer that's for sure it's not a cure for cancer it can fucking slow it right down and in some stages yeah look i mean we've got we've got cancer patients that we've been dealing with for 6 years that we're told they had three months and they're still alive. But we've also seen hundreds of people die. Yeah.
0: yeah. It's and I mean, And it's,
1: yeah.
0: it's not just the matter, you know, it's w- what are they eating? Anyway, go on, Andrew. Uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's that, that very much a holistic uh, approach. Um, I mean, one of the, that, that's something that I, I don't know, you know if we've necessarily spent too much time talking about this previously, Mitch, but that whole idea of medical cannabis being a i guess just not a front or a first line therapy so for anyone who um i guess is is seeking access to medical cannabis um you know when you see your gp um you know it, it, they're, that's one of the criteria they're going to ask you yeah um, Have in you australia- failed, yeah in australia you know have you failed on a conventional medicine first up so uh, you know it, that'll vary obviously depending on on what indication you're presenting with but it's um i think i think you know it's still treated very much as you know this is not your first one you know you can maybe try it on your second one or otherwise it's relegated as your sort of your hail mary last line of therapy yeah
1: yeah Yeah, and look to be honest with you i actually think that in a lot of cases, when if you get an early diagnosis for cancer, I think that if you were to treat it purely with, uh, with CBD and THC, you'd have a good chance of knocking it into remission straight away, in a lot of cases. Hmm. Um, the problem is with, um, with most therapies now that are, I mean, if we're talking about cancer, which we are, um, you know, you've got, you've got three options. You've got immunotherapy, you've got chemotherapy, and you've got radiation, and all of them are dangerous mm. and not good for you, where cannabis is completely safe. So I think it should be a first-line therapy. Like People should be given that option to try that for three months or six months before they
0: start giving them everything else. To me, that makes perfect sense. Mm. Um, Do you think, though, that even just the idea of um, you know oncologists warming to that idea and and you know oncology like every discipline of medicine is is informed by the strength of of clinical trial data um and what they're used to do you think it would be difficult to even you know skirt with the idea of of getting clinical trials in oncology they absolutely
1: need them yeah they totally need them and yeah and I'd, I'd be more than happy to share my, um, all, our, all our information that we've got. I mean, we've collected a lot of data over the years of all the patients that we've worked with. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, we could talk about um, uh, retinoblastoma, which is like a, a form of tumours that grow on eyes. And we've had quite a lot of cases of that with really, really young children. And, they, uh, and the oncologists are trying to treat it with chemotherapy and the kids start dying, you know, like you, you're giving two, three, four-year-old children um, high doses of chemotherapy and they're literally fucking dying. Mm. Whereas we've had incredible results giving these kids THC and CBD and they're perfectly healthy and they survive um, They survive the cancer. Yeah. So there needs to be a trial done for that. I mean, you know, like we've done a lot of work with people with glioblastomas, you know, which is a really aggressive brain cancer look, CBD and THC doesn't cure it, but it fucking slows it right down. And, you know, normally people that get a glioblastoma, you know, if they have an operation and they get it removed, it normally grows back within three or four months. Then they have to get it done again and done again. But if you get them on these high doses of CBD and THC, you know, they might have to have, have an operation a year later or two years later. They Instead of... Surviving that cancer by, you know, if normally they say you've got a year to live, you might live for three or four years if using medicinal cannabis, Mm. you know, which is a good thing. But there's, and there is trials being done. Charlie Teo did trials with that. Mm. Um, And there isn't more ongoing trials. I mean, I'm actually not that up to date with it at the moment. I've kind of just gone, like, I just can't be bothered reading about it all now. I just want to help the people we're working with.
0: Yeah. But these, you know, these particular, patients who you know present with a serious interaction like cancer i mean i can only presume that no one would necessarily be looking to medical cannabis unless they had you know maybe limited fortunes with more conventional therapies i mean i, I suppose my understanding of you'd, the- be surprised. No, you'd be surprised they actually do okay because they a think lot people,
1: a lot of people are scared of chemo and radiation.
0: A yeah, lot of I mean, there's a lot of trauma for the body to go through those experiences. So perhaps, you know, it's uh, seen by some as, well, let's try this, see how we go. Um, you know, and again, I, I know we say this every episode, but, you know, Mitch and I, we don't endorse any particular medical opinion. We're not qualified in any way to give a medical opinion. But we we definitely, you know, I don't. I think it's it would be remiss to, to not, have a discussion around some of the anecdotal evidence, which is in the process of, um, you know, being put through clinical trials. So I, I think it, to your point earlier, we're, we're still, you know, still a long way away from having a really, really clear understanding of how these, um, how medical cannabis interacts with, with various cancers. Um, but, uh, you know, it's- um, Speaking it's, it's, it's <laughs> I'm thinking about how the, the disclaimer. Evidence is intriguing. Was that a disclaimer, Mitch? Like a full-, full Yeah, wedge. I'm just thinking about all the disclaimer
1: as well, please. Sorry, can you add me in on that disclaimer as well? No, no we're yeah. doing
2: it for you. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, because um, Nick is not a doctor. Uh, not at all. It, you could say almost maybe a witch doctor would be more fitting. No, I'm
1: not a witch
0: doctor. I'm a warlock. Hey, before what could we, we understand, what, one thing that we spend we spend so much time talking about medical cannabis but i'm just interested in the i guess the integrative just holistic medicine i know that's an area of interest for you nick i mean do you with uh, some of the you know people that you've met along the journey who are you know in looking for some sort of maybe plant-based intervention to help them with their health uh, what are some of the other uh, medicines that that are that form part of your interest
1: my personal interest,
0: yeah, or um,
1: yeah, um, not things that I um, not things that I would prescribe or offer to people, but things that have been personally interesting to me um, has been ayahuasca, absolutely, um, psilocybin, um, lots of different types of mushrooms, five um, meo DMT, yeah. um, which is toad medicine. Um,
0: uh, cactus. Oh, way, that that five meos. That, that's literally a a compound that just occurs naturally in toads. Is that right?
1: It is. Yeah. It comes from a Sonoran Desert toad. Um, it's a it's a venom that's extracted. Um, it's a fear response in, in Sonoran Desert toads, and it's um they they uh, they harvest it by like scaring the toads. They squirt it onto a glass pain they dry it in the sun and it looks like snot they scrape it off and then that is then um, put into a pipe and smoked uh, they also make it in a lab there's also like a pharmaceutical version of the 5-MeO <clears throat> but I think um, I haven't tried the
2: hey I was going to say the first method sounded GMP oh, I was just Oh my my heart. Heart. Pharmaceutical <laughs> grade. Right out, out of the toad. Straight from yeah. the toad's glands onto the glass uh, GMP facility.
1: Amazing. Yeah, I don't think there's too much GMP ayahuasca out there available either. <laughs> I don't know if you see the way they make that stuff out in the pots. You know?
0: Now, this is the yeah. one, by the way, that, I mean, I, yeah, we haven't really had a bit of a deep dive into some of these topics. So I'm I'm going to indulge you here because you are our Oracle of wisdom on these areas. Hang on. I'm just going to cut you off
1: there. (laughs) I I will give you a brief on it, but if you really want to go deep, you need to
0: chat with Luke. Okay. CBD, Luke. He is the Oracle.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We'll get CBD on for for another session. Maybe we'll do a deep dive just into alternative medicines and some psychedelics and look at it in reference to like, maybe the stuff they're doing overseas, like the maps um, kind of movement with, with psilocybin and for P- PTSD and, and MDMA, the kind of uh, things they're doing over there. It could be interesting to get a little bit of, I know a, a lot of it's anecdotal at this point, the, um, the, but um, it is starting to emerge a little bit of more clinical testing. So it's, um, it's a very interesting area. It is very interesting, absolutely. And I know that Luke would be um, more than interested to chat with you
1: guys about it. So I would um, you know, reach out to him and get him on. I think he'd be a, he'd be a great podcast for you.
2: Yeah, I think we'll... I'm,
1: I'm happy to answer some questions though, Andrew. Sure. Yeah,
0: I yeah. mean, I'm interested in the... Because there was, you know, for anyone out there who thinks that, you know, Mitch and I are a couple of crackpots running this, uh, you know, alternative medicine podcast. I mean, the topic of psilocybin mushrooms and ayahuasca, I, I was recently listening to an ABC podcast about it the other day on background briefing. It is uh, slowly, um, you know, infiltrating mainstream discussion. Um, yeah. You know, I, I think one of the th- the areas that I'm I'm interested in is this idea that people actually go away and do retreats with ayahuasca. This is you know kind of a I don't know if you call it like a tourism angle or something. But um, have you ever done one of those? And and you know what form do people take ayahuasca? What did you learn from taking it?
1: Okay, so I've never done a retreat, but mm-hmm. I can tell you a funny story about my girlfriend, um, <laughs> who. I won't name, but um, <laughs> she knows who she is. Um, she, uh, she actually went to Costa Rica with her father. And I'm actually, I'm not sure how old he is, but he's a, he's a very interesting guy and a big Melbourne businessman. Anyway, um, you know, she's a, she's a great girl. She took her father off to Costa Rica and they stayed at this um, five-star retreat, which is called Rhythmia. Have you guys heard about that?
0: I haven't heard of Rhythmia.
1: Rhythmia is, um, yeah, I mean, I think Pete Evans did, a like, a documentary on it. Okay, interesting.
2: Yeah, you <laughs> should Pete on He'd
1: be a good one for you guys to talk to. He hasn't got any other platforms anymore. I was going to say, uh, <laughs> is, it a, is it a
0: TGA-sanctioned facility or...?
1: <laughs> no, well, they're in Costa Rica. Um, yeah. it's, an American, it's an American unit that's um, running out of Costa Rica. But I think it's the only, like... Um, five-star, like really sort of high-end run retreat. And it's a, I think it's a seven-day retreat. They did seven days. And I think of those seven days you drink ayahuasca five nights in a row and there's about, I think there's like a 100 people or even more and um, a bunch of shamans and musicians and they get together every night and they drink this medicine. And um, from what, um, what my girl told me, Uh, It was life-changing for for both her and for her dad
0: um, and for a lot of other people that went. I'm trying to think, though, of actually doing a retreat like that with my dad. Um, He's a pretty, you know, reserved guy. I wonder if the ayahuasca would, uh, would, you know, bring him out of his shell a little bit. But, um, yeah, that's quite an interesting kind of father-daughter bonding set. Yeah,
1: it was was incredible for them. In fact, you know, like if you ever wanted to do a... uh, a podcast about it, I mean, she'd probably be willing to come and talk about it. But it was just, yeah, it was incredible. Like the story that she told me about, um, it, you know what, it's too. It's probably a bit too personal for me to delve into it. But it's a beautiful, beautiful story. Um, but from all accounts, um, I, I know a few people have been to Rhythmia and it, it's, it sounds like it's amazing. Um, personally, I don't like the idea of drinking medicine with 100 people. Yeah. I mean... It's a really um, intense and personal experience to go through. And, um, you know, when we do it up here, I do it with, um, you know, with my friends, you know, we've got like a sort of tight men's group that we do it with. And um, there's never more than sort of seven or eight of us. And we all look out for each other. And it's, um, it's yeah, look, it's a beautiful healing experience.
0: Yeah. And I, I think um, also speaking as someone who, um, you know, has tried hallucinogenics, um, I, I would agree with you. I think the idea of, um, you know, having people that you trust, um, your nearest and dearest with you when you um, embark upon those journeys is uh, is certainly important to me. I think having hundreds of strangers around would, um, wouldn't would really quite vibe I'd be going for. Um, Terrifying!
1: <laughs> you don't want to shit yourself in front of all those people.
0: Yeah, exactly, exactly. You know, and that's what happens. <laughs> yeah
2: do people i shit myself <laughs> therapy all the time <laughs> it's
1: just so intimidating yeah Despite
2: I, have to take CB- I have to take cbd for it <laughs> <laughs> it kills everything
0: but we you know uh, the spirit, cool. um, what mitch was doing before with you know talking about the good and the bad with um with any medicine that we talk about on here one just before we leave ayahuasca, one of the anecdotes that came out of this ABC podcast on background briefing that I was listening to was that for all of the revelations and the insights that, that people obtain from those experiences, um, you know, there, there's also a lot of purging. So people are vomiting. There, there's lots of that that happens. Is that something that kind of aligns with uh, your experiences? Or- yeah,
1: absolutely. It's called. They call it getting well, not getting sick. Yeah. Um and yeah, I mean it's all part of it and it's actually it's I think it's the best part of it because you come out of those ceremonies just feeling completely cleansed I mean you there's different ways of purging you can cry you can vomit you can shit but yeah it's um, um what that medicine does is it sort of makes its way through your body and it feels like it attaches itself to any old um old memories and old problems that you sh- you've you been carrying around for your whole life that basically connects to them and drags them out of your system and whether you vomit them up or you go to the toilet and pass them out. But, yeah, it's like a, it's a full cleanse. That's and right. apparently I've never done five nights in a row. I've not, the most I've ever done is two. And even that was pretty intense. But for um, my girlfriend, whose um, name shall not be mentioned. Um, Until we know, get into the podcast, that is. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, like five nights in a row with her and her dad, it was just it was life-changing stuff
2: for them both. Yeah, really. Very, very interesting. I've actually I've a yeah. mixture of views. Um, I have heard people say it's one of the most profound things they've ever done. And then I've heard yeah. some people say it, yeah, some one of their friends came back and just wasn't the same. And you know, there was some kind of other stories that that it like it, it, I think certain dispositions it seems to work better with than others. For example, is what I'm yeah. Yep. I've um I've heard of people um having well I,
1: I personally have had some really bad times on it. Mm. Um, it's been some of the most difficult nights of my life actually. Um, but I think you know that was because I was probably meant to learn some pretty hard lessons. But, um, yeah, look, I've I've heard of people not dealing well afterwards either. I mean, look, psychedelics are a slippery slope. You know, they're not for everyone. I mean, you know, you hear a lot about people taking LSD and never being the same as well. Um, you know, you've got to remember that ayahuasca is a really, really powerful psychedelic. So is, you know, psilocybin when it's taken. You take five grams of psilocybin, that's, you know, that's
0: pretty serious stuff. Yeah, it, well, that's – and it's – you know, certainly, um, it would seem to be because it, it, it. You know, it really goes to the root cause. It, it. You know, reveals to you, um, you know, some of your inner demons. You know, you some of the memories that you you've been carrying that are unpleasant. Um, whereas, you know, conventional psych, you know, psych medicine is really there, at least in my opinion, to to mask symptoms. You know, be it an SSRI or something that regulates serotonin or dopamine levels um you know it's it's not necessarily going after the root cause um uh, so is that do you think that's probably one of the reasons why it, it can be quite confronting
1: absolutely it, it basically it brings everything up hmm. there is no hiding from things and i mean you you i think you know i'm sure you guys have taken psychedelics you know it's yeah it can be very confronting
0: yeah and i I certainly um my experience was um feeling a sense of one with uh that's cliche everyone would but people would identify with that who have had one with me yeah one with rich one (laughs) with the whole family i just everyone was just all interconnected um in a big way but you know it's a beautiful feeling yeah it is and you know really appreciating almost in a way your insignificance and how um so how you're such a small part of, of the the overall bigger picture. But um yeah we will get Luke on to 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 do a full deep dive into this because I'm sure he will have many, many more insights as well to um to contribute.
1: Yeah well you won't have to say much because he uh
2: you won't get a word in yeah. <laughs> but it's it, all good. Oh, It's uh talk the uh Legs off a donkey and probably the back leg. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but
1: I know well, like, he, doesn't, he doesn't say anything that's not worth saying. Like He thinks about everything before it comes out of his mouth. He's a very, very bright person.
0: Yeah, no, big fans of well, uh, that. Well, it just, it, we're talking about Luke, and I know we briefly talked about the movie before, but you, you did a bit of a media blitz after it. I, I remember you were on Triple J and, and a few. Did a few appearances. Um, do you feel as though uh, you know people know you now around town? Are you getting a bit more of a of a profile? Of people coming to you, or is, is nothing necessarily changed since the movie? Um,
1: no, people. Do, yeah, people know us for sure. It definitely changed some things. Um, I cut all my hair and my beard off just to try and look a bit different. It didn't really help. Um, <laughs> Luke definitely gets recognised and he doesn't like it at all. I had a really funny experience. I, um, I had my licence suspended for losing points um, a while back and while I'd lost my licence, I um, got myself in a position where I had to hitchhike out of Byron Bay one afternoon back home. And um, I stood out there for like two minutes and this guy pulled me, pulled over and he said, you know, he said, hey, are you Nick? And I went, yeah. And he goes, oh, I just saw your movie last night, jump in. And you know, he drove me all the way home. You know, he drove me like seven kilometers out of his way.
0: Yeah, so,
1: yeah. You know, like people one, one do one Samaritan to another. <laughs> yeah, he was a, he was a really nice dude. But um, you know, we get a lot of well, I do because Luke's not on social media. But, you know, I get a lot of people contact me on Instagram, and I don't really look at Facebook, but I get a lot of messages on Messenger um, from people that have seen the film that have reached out. But um, I think uh, the way we set it up. Um, with my with my greenlight website, um, is that you know if people were looking for me, they just Google greenlight Nicholas Morley and then my website comes up, and they can find us, and you know that's how that's how we help people. So that was kind of it was pretty clever in that way. Yeah. Um, yeah. Look, I I think that there was nothing negative that came out of that film. It was all positive.
0: Did you? And I'm curious just because it, the film does. You know, deal directly with the topic of you know the the black market medical cannabis. Did, have you had any um, interactions you know, or even uh, words of support or criticism from anyone in law enforcement or anything like that? Um.
1: Yeah, but but nothing I could really, nothing that I would want to brag about. But yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> we can. We can. Yeah. That, that's
1: We've had some interactions with um, with with certain families that are connected to the local police force in our area, and um, they've um, they all love us. Like, they don't have a problem with what we do. We've got a problem with cocaine up here. We've got a problem with ice. Yeah, um, that's what all the detectives are all focusing on. Uh, medicinal cannabis is not really on the on the radar.
2: Yeah, interesting. interesting. So if- sorry, we we've got a bit of a interesting um, connection going on. We're losing you for a little bit, but what did you say just then?
1: I just said um, like where we live, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a lot of cocaine and a lot of ice being used. And um, I don't think that the local detectives are really that concerned about medicinal cannabis right now. You know, they're all hunting down these, uh, these Coke dealers and ice dealers.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And the, and the TGA, you were saying something about that.
1: The TGA, d- definitely, you know, like, I mean, I don't openly sell medicinal cannabis. I don't have a website um, that sells it. You know, we're just purely a consultancy. So, um, you know, I've managed to stay out of their radar. But, um, yeah, look, I think um, they're the one, the TGA, are the ones that are going around threatening um, black market websites. You know, there's, if you go online and Google CBD oil by Australia, there's a whole lot of sites that are selling oil. Um, yeah. But you, if you watch them, they last for a couple of weeks and then they disappear and then another one pops up and then they disappear. Um, so I'm sure they're busy posting out letters of warnings to everyone.
2: Yeah, I believe a lot of them are set up by international companies that don't have those kind of legislations where it's a little bit more lenient, say, or a little bit more open say, in North America or even in Europe for CBD. And um, it's not illegal to do it there. So they do yeah. it and they sell to Australia. Um, yeah, but um, curiously, coming back to the the cannabis, I kind of maybe rounding out this discussion. Yep, I always like to get, especially with people with as much experience as you, you know, talking to hundreds, probably thousands, actually, of people along the journey. Um, yep. The most common questions that people ask, like, what are the, what are the, the ABCs of, or the you know the things that you hear the most from people in the community. Is it how do I get it? Is it how much does it cost? Will it work? Like, what, what are, the, what are the, the main things that the common man asks? Um, the first one is uh, can I drive on it?
1: Right. Without a doubt. The second one is will it cure me? Um, and the third one isn't a question, it's more of a statement saying I don't want to get stoned.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And I think you know a, a lot of that's one of the main things THC. So we do see a different safety kind of profile with CBD and THC. And I'm sure you would even admit that you've seen that in in, in people seeking to use cannabis where CBD might be much lower safety risk but then some people don't necessarily respond well to THC and some some do. But but definitely uh, I know I've seen people not respond well to it in, in my time as well, and we're definitely seeing that in, in the clinical data as well. That most of the adverse reactions come from THC or products that have maybe more than or they've had too much. Or yeah, it's definitely yeah, I can. De- and it's also the thing that stops you from driving. Yeah, um, I would say um,
1: some people love THC and a lot of people hate it.
0: Mm. We talked about before the ratio and dosage being a really critical piece in someone's healthcare plan, if they're taking medical cannabis products, but I'm just curious around the products, you know, like isolate on one, on one end, and then your full spectrum oils on the other, do you have any opinions generally on products and what you tend to, you know, be speaking to people about? um in terms of what they prefer you've got your ear close to the ground yeah um
1: sure Um, yeah we've we've had a lot of um a lot you know like yeah i could i could pull out three or four cases and talk about them of people that have been um taking our full (laughs) spectrum they've been taking full spectrum uh cbd oil and um i reckon then, then they've gone on to a um onto a prescribed product which is an isolate and in some cases they need to take like 20 times the amount of isolate compared to the full spectrum Um, and that's an interesting one too and i I was kind of hoping we'd get there because um look i think it's great now that they've um that the tga have announced that cbd is going to be schedule three and um it's great that chemists are going to be able to dispense it but it's not going to be a full spectrum product. It's going to be. A, it's going to be an isolate. Hmm. And do you agree?
0: Well, it could be a full spectrum, but it will still have to be at this point in time. Um, It'll be a broad spectrum, yeah, most likely, it, but
2: still somewhat limited.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: I mean, it's going to be. Look, it's going to be really. It's going to be really interesting seeing that these all these companies that want to get their product out onto the market, they're going to have to do trials and they're going to have to prove that this product's got efficacy. My experience is, um, well, not my personal experience, but from what I've heard and what I've gathered, is that um, that isolates, unless they're mixed with full-spectrum products, they're not that great. Mm. So if you were to buy a bottle of coconut oil with a bunch of isolate in it, it's not really going to do much to you. Or if you go and buy a, a can of soda that's seemingly isolate, it's not going to do anything to you. In fact, we don't even know what it is going to do to you. It could actually be harmful to you for all we know. So there needs to be tests done to that. on that. Um, I personally don't think that many products that are, get, uh, are actually going to get approved. I think it's just another way for the government to stall things.
0: Well, um, yeah, picking up on that point around will it predominate, I think that the predominant over-the-counter products will be what you're describing, the isolate in yeah. oil. Um, most and it's likely- two years away. Yeah, yeah, and it's you know years away based on the time it will take for clinical trial trials to um, produce the data that will then need to be approved by the tga but I, I think um there will still be scope for some really high cbd like we're talking 98 percent plus cbd uh full spectrum and broad spectrum products but yep. you know that's obviously uh, you know a very different proposition to say a full spectrum oil that's maybe you know a 50 50 or or something that's a, a different ratio so um you know if anyone do you know of anyone that's got a broad spectrum product like that that's doing clinical trials? Uh, I know two guys very well that have a really good broad spectrum product, but um, I can't say that that product is the subject of any clinical trials at this time. Yep. So, uh, uh, so
1: maybe, maybe those guys just need to raise some money and start doing some trials. <laughs> <laughs>
2: This actually probably brings us to a really good point in terms of um, what we've been skirting around, but the future of the industry from your perspective as somebody who's seen kind of the rise of the, the legal medical system um, and, you know, it's been here now for five years. So it's, it's really had a fair whack. It's obviously making some progress, but, um, you know, how do you... It's not how really. You, it's not really? And so, so what do you yeah. reckon the outlook is?
1: I think the only way that it's going to progress is if we get a change of government. Mm. I think we need, I think we need Andrew people like Andrew running for, for office. <laughs> um, we need to change things up because whoever's in charge at the moment is just not doing anything.:
0: I thought that the craziest thing that we'd discussed on this podcast so far was some of the ayahuasca anecdotes, but um, yeah. Talk- Andrew Having some say in parliament, to, uh, it sounds terrifying. But, um, oh, come on, Andrew. <laughs> you just absolutely pull it in there. No, I, I think, um, yeah, he could be a GMP toad.
1: He oh, would be amazing. Andrew, have you uh, followed up those leads I sent you?
0: I do, yeah. I, um, no, I, I'm a, yeah, we have a, a mutual fondness for fiona patton the upper house member in in victoria who has just done so many um, wonderful things uh i think in just performing lots of really bad drug laws um, that were previously in place i know victoria was a couple of decades behind new south wales with safe injecting rooms and and you know she was instrumental with access to medical cannabis um, the euthanasia voluntary assisted dying legislation so you know, we have some really good voices in Parliament, but I agree. I think we need more. And, and you know, certainly um, while we have, you know, socially conservative governments um, that are perhaps more interested in um, law enforcement uh, approach to drugs, you know, we're not really going to see the industry flourish. Um, I, I think I always look at Australia as a case study as compared to the US. And I guess pitching all of the legal products in Australia to that higher Um, you know, GMP pharmaceutical grade means that the, the people that really get to participate in the industry have to be, you know, really well-funded companies that are well-resourced. And then you look at America and there's scope for mum and dad growers to, to be involved in the industry and to, to sell their biomass up the chain. And I don't know, I'm, I'm not against at all the, the strictly, um, I'm sorry, I'm not against the, the pharmaceutical approach at all. I just think that it would be nice if um, there was more opportunity for um, people at different levels to to participate in the industry. And at the moment, it feels like there's this cluster of really well-resourced companies that are all sort of competing with each other. I've got the biggest facility. I've got the biggest farm. And I don't know. It, um, I, I think we could we could have more people involved at different levels.
1: Yeah, I agree. I agree. And it'd be great to see someone like you in there. I'm not sure about Mitchell, but definitely.
2: <laughs> Who'd I'll vote? sit there taking notes. I'll take minutes uh, just for you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> if, we had a, if, we, if there was a need to have a, um, you know, one of the best DJs in the country, you know, getting everyone in the spirit of of the uh, question time or something. I could see Mitch having a little cameo DJ role in Parliament. It's um, well, yeah, music um, and canvas is
2: a combination that goes very well together. So, whilst you're getting, I'll I'll, I'll pump you up for your uh, your speeches to the lower house. Yeah, thank yeah. you. <laughs> hey, when we when we get off the
1: uh, when we finish this podcast, which should be very soon, I actually want to talk to you guys because I'm thinking about coming down next weekend.
2: Um, Amazing. Well, I guess that's probably our cue to,
0: to finish up. That <laughs> at all. It's also our cue to say that if, if that happens, if you, um, you dare stray into what some describe as a dictatorship down here, personally, I think those people are, have got rocks in their head. But um, if you're down in Victoria, perhaps we might uh, do a follow-up and, and have another sesh, but we, you know, we're all in the same room if we're not under lock and key.
1: That'd be nice, but no cameras and let's just have a party.
0: Yeah, that sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds clinical. Sounds very clinical.
1: Um,
2: Sounds good. I love you guys.
0: Yeah, it's Uh, been a pleasure. Nick, I'm sure we'll do this again Um, and we'll stick around to to have a chat. Absolutely. Thanks, mate. Appreciate it.